I've been getting in my steps, lifting weights, and now I'm trying really hard to get as much protein as I can. That's why I'm excited about trying Clean Simple Eats because they're just that, clean and simple. Their protein powder is always grass-fed with no seed oils or artificial ingredients. It's third-party tested and non-GMO and gluten-free. They've got 26 delicious all-natural flavors. You really can't go wrong with any of them. They've got Simply Vanilla and other unique flavors like cookies and cream, caramel toffee, and even cinnamon roll. I have a feeling my entire family may just like Clean Simple Eats protein powder, and they're probably going to use it every day because it's so easy to put into your milk or a recipe my daughter loves to bake or in a smoothie, which my son loves to drink almost every day. You can It's amazing really in any form. Visit cleansimpleeats.com and use the code ASKLISA20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's cleansimpleeats.com with the code ASKLISA20 for 20% off your first order. On Our Minds is a podcast about the teenage experience made by teens for teens. There's a lot on our minds and talking about it helps. On Our Minds Season 4 is produced by PBS NewsHour Student Reporting Labs in collaboration with KUOW's Radioactive Youth Media. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This is Ask Lisa, a podcast to help people understand the psychology of parenting, now in the midst of a pandemic. Psychologist Dr. Lisa Demore, author of two New York Times best-selling parenting books, takes your questions. And I'm co-host Rena Ninen, a journalist and mom of two. Some of what we talk about comes from raising children ourselves. Most of the time, I'll be getting answers to your parenting questions. So send your questions to AskLisa at drlisademore.com. Episode 17, How Do I Get My Kid to Open Up? We survive Thanksgiving going into the holidays the next few weeks. It's it's still I still feel anxiety over what could be coming next, even though there's a lot of pressure off. There is. And you know what I also feel? And I every year I feel this way. I'm like, yay, the holidays. It'll be so lovely and leisurely. And then I just feel like I get this whopping new to-do list, yeah. you know, trying to make the holidays happen. And yeah. then I... I'm the kind of person that once I've got a to-do list, I can't really relax till it's to done. Completely, <laughs> and so, yeah. And so it's always, um, I got, I've got to stop. I've got to make sure my expectations about holiday leisure are in line with reality. And just expectations of life where we are right now. There are some days yeah. where there are weekends where I've got a ton of stuff to do, and I, I keep thinking about it, thinking about it, don't do anything. And it got me thinking about kids in general, of how they're processing everything as we're in this different phase. And... We, we had Jeff Salingo from uh, talking to us about college admissions and how life is just changing for so many of them in so many ways. You've told us about how to deal with kids when they're upset and when they're frustrated. But I'm wondering, Lisa, what do you do with kids who aren't expressive about how they feel, who aren't really opening up and telling you, even though you're spending all this time with them and you see each other face to face? And there's an interesting email in our inbox It says, hi, Lisa. I have a 17-year-old girl who's a senior in high school. As a baby, toddler, and elementary school child, she was affectionate, expressive, and adventurous. She has always been a good kid. For the past few years, she does not want to ask for help. She also does not like to discuss her feelings when something's going wrong. My husband and I try to be there for her regularly, and we do follow the advice from experts like yourself. 
Also, I constantly am educating myself to be a good parent, attending presentations, reading, and listening to podcasts. I do understand teens prefer friends over parents. When I ask our girl to do something together, she does not want to, and it hurts. Any suggestions to get her to open up, please, and let her know that it is absolutely fine to express emotion. We really want a healthy relationship with her. She could be leaving home for college in the fall. Thank you kindly. What do you do? I mean, you feel the emotion. Also, you can understand the mom's time. She, time is slipping away. How do you get these teens to open up to their parents when it's sort of an emotional time for them as well? Oh, wow. I'll tell you, I had a memory while you were reading that, something I haven't thought about for a long time, that just gets at the developmental slice of this, the 17 aspect of this. And then we'll come back and talk about, you know, really kind of an all-ages way to think about opening kids up, but or helping them talk or why they don't talk. But when I was 17, I, um, I was headed off to college. I went young. And somehow I got it in my mind that parents didn't take their kids to college. I don't know where I got this idea. I thought that was so strange when my parents were mentioning, like, taking me to college. Mm. And I was like, no, 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 I'm going on my own. What are you guys talking about? And I'm kind of, like, amazed in retrospect that they honored that. And I appreciate that they did. And so my college goodbye was my folks saying goodbye to me at the airport while I put a whole bunch of stuff on United Air Freight to go from Colorado out to Connecticut. And then I got there and you know, my grandmother who lived nearby, like picked me up in her like smelly old station wagon and basically threw me on the curb at college. And lo and behold, like everybody else's parents were there. And I was like, oh, oh, I guess I had that all wrong. And I, I think it really was painful for my parents at that time that I was so needing my independence and rejecting about it. And what I wish they could have known at that time is that when I went to graduate school, I was like, hey, guys, you want to take me to graduate school? And so, (laughs) you know, five years later, the family truckster across the country from Denver to Michigan where I, you know, and my dad put together my bookcases at my new little teeny apartment. And and so just, I, I don't know, somehow that all just came rushing back. And so the first big umbrella idea here is, This is a moment in development. This is a chapter in a long book of your relationship with your kid. And yes, it is true. Teenagers can become very private and very rejecting of their parents and closeness. But what I hear in this letter, and I just want to jump on it right away, is this sense of we're closing the book. She's headed to college soon. And I want to say, no, 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 you're closing the chapter. Mm -hmm. And this may be something that looks very different when she has had a chance to establish her appendance or feel more autonomous, certainly sort of speaking from personal experience, it was something I needed to do at 17 and something I did not need to do at 21, 22 years old. That's so interesting. If you had to go back, would you have them come with you or do you feel like you developed it in a moment that that's what you needed for that moment? I think I really needed it. And, And Rena, I don't even know that I knew then why I needed that. I don't even know that I knew know now why I needed that. But I just remember they were talking about taking me to college. And I was like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> um, okay, but I love this question because it's it's something that happens in family life where you either suspect that your kid is upset or you know they're upset. Because, like, you know, we know we're kids. And so we can tell when they're sort of, you know, stormy inside. Yeah. And then the parent says, 
how are you? What's wrong? Are, are you okay? And the kid either ices them out or says, I'm fine, while they frantically text with somebody, you yeah, know, or yeah, something. Yeah. And, and so... But why do you think it is, Lisa, that the, the teens do this, that they are sort of suddenly like, I, I don't want to talk to you about this. Like, you're not going to get it. Like, what, what is it that you find in your experience? Well, so this is a question that's come up enough that I did basically how I learn everything in my field, which is I just posed it to a pack of teenagers. And this, <laughs> what I adore about teenagers is if you ask them a straight up question, they will give you a straight up answer. I mean, they will absolutely lay it out. So I said, actually, to a pack of teenagers, I said, Okay, you guys, you know that thing when you are clearly upset and you're totally clammed up and you won't tell your parents what the deal is? And they're like, "Uh uh-huh. I'm like, what's the story? And they're like, oh, there are a number of reasons why that happens. And I'm like, okay. So the first one they said is, well, we know what you're going to say. So maybe we're upset because we messed up a math test and it's the same math test that Two nights ago, you asked if I had studied enough for, and I, like, you know, shook you off. I was like, yeah, 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 why are you bothering me? And now I've messed it up. And so now if I tell you, and I'm upset, and if I tell you that that's what I'm upset about, I know what you're going to say, and I don't really want to hear it. And and I thought, okay, that could totally happen in my house. Right, right, absolutely. (laughs) So there's that. Another thing they told me is it's complicated. And, and they gave an example of something like, okay, so there's this girl, we'll call her Susie. I'm just making that up. And um, you don't like her. <laughs> and you don't like her because she's often mean to me or she's been mean to me over the years. And I'm upset because she was mean to me. But, and this is pre-COVID times, but in two weeks, I know Susie's having a party and I totally want to go. And so if I mention to you today that I'm upset about things with Susie, in two weeks, when I tell you I'm headed over to Susie's, mm. you're going to be super weird about it, and I don't want to deal with that. So I'm going to have to sit here silently and stew about Susie because I can't tell you what's going on. Wow. They understand that it's complicated, that there's other things that, that make it a little messy. Well, and it's such a great, like, like the we think we're so neutral as parents, right? Yeah, like, we yeah. think, <laughs> we think yeah. we're like, I'm here just to support you. And we completely forget about all the ways we've had conversations with our kids, that any conversation is happening in the context of, you know, 100,000 conversations we've had. And they're bearing that context in mind. And we somehow see ourselves as, you know, fresh and new to the topic, as opposed to they're like, oh, man, I know yeah. what it's like to go around this block yeah. with you, and I don't want to do I it. I don't want to. So like, what should you do? You want that relate. And what's so interesting about this letter is, she had an awesome relationship, it sounds, in elementary and junior high school, which makes me terrified because I'm thinking, wow, my relationship is great with my kids. You mean it can change in high school, like all of a sudden? I, mean, I know most parents kind of get that. I, I feel a little behind the eight ball on that. But she it sounds like she had this great environment, but then it changed. How do you get them to open up? Well, there was something in the letter the mom said about, like, I ask her to do things and she doesn't want to do them, and that's painful. Yeah. And I, I, that, I was like, oof, right? I think... As a parent of a teenager, most people have been there. And and it is hard. I mean, Rena, what you're describing of the closeness you enjoy right now, I think for so many parents, you know, especially 
you know, when their kids are 8, 9, 10, 11, they're like, all right, we're, we're good, we're good, you know, like we're close, I think we'll be okay. And then they feel like their kid broke up with them, you know, and that they're still like calling and like, do you want to go somewhere? And their ex is like, no, why are you still calling? You know? <laughs> and it's not that fun. Because um, you live with your, you know, your cranky ex. Um, <laughs> Great analogy. So, <laughs> so I guess, I mean, here's what I think. I do think... Teenagers also put bids on the table of how they want to spend time with us, and it's easy to miss the bid. So the teenager might bring up a topic. I hear this from kids, that their parents will give them like a whole bunch of quizzing, you know, when they see them maybe at the end of a school day, what happened, what happened, what happened? Kids like, rah, go away, you're asking too many questions. And then later in the day, or in the evening, the teenager will be like, oh, you know, English class was so dumb today. And the parent is already on to the next thing or deep in their email or thought just isn't in the mode of having a conversation. And so I think sometimes we have to be a little more alert to that. Another thing, which I, I just think we can't stay, say enough about, Teenagers actually do generally want adult company. They just don't want us quizzing or asking or pushing. Like, they don't want an agenda. How are we supposed to find out, Lisa, what they're up to? <laughs> if, like, like, I can't do this by osmosis. I can't connect my head to them and realize what's going on. Well, one question is, do you need to know? Right? So, Rena, I mean, have you had situations where you can tell your kids are a little out of sorts? And, like, do you need to know? I feel like I, as a parent, have an obligation to know, you know, like they're not fully developed humans, I feel like. So I've got to intervene. It's like the mother, uh, a hen or whatever animal you want to call it. Like, I feel like it's my duty. Okay, but so like, let's play this out. All right, so I'm going to just make something up. All right, so let's say that one of your children got into a fight with a friend. Yeah. And they're not wanting to talk about it with you, maybe because you're friends with a friend's mom or... They feel like you're going to, like, get on the phone and call somebody and talk about it, which is another reason kids told me they don't tell their parents oh, stuff. So, like, you're, yeah. they'll blab. But let's imagine that your kid is going to just be completely clammed up about it. But you can observe that they are upset. Truly, truly, like, why do you need to know? Like, let's, like, really okay. think through why you need to know and what it means to not know. I, I think sometimes I also like them to be able to process things on their own. So I don't need to know every single moment. And, but there are other times where I feel like if it bothers them so much, then I need to know, right? If it, if, if it keeps happening over and over again, or there's something that's bothering it, it might not even be a relationship with somebody. Maybe it's something else that happened in their day or something that somebody said, right? But don't I need to know? Like, what if there's something that could affect his development, right? Shouldn't I intervene? Well, so let's think, right? I mean, it's really, when you start to scrape away at it, right? Yeah. You realize we're really grasping for why we need to know mm. what is upsetting our children. I mean, obviously, if it's something like dangerous or right. awful or frightening, you know, really way out of bounds in the normal course of development. But, you know, certainly getting into a fight with a friend, you know, that's pretty garden variety stuff. So you're now thinking, well, maybe you need to know because what if it derails development? Yeah. How would you know if it were derailing development? Like, what would your signs be? Like, when would you know that? I just worry about withdrawal. And if there's a withdrawal and they're not communicating with me, my red flag goes off. Okay. 
Would you be satisfied if you knew they were talking to somebody else, like a peer or a coach or something? Yeah, because I think at least they're processing it, right? I think that's right. I think that's right. Okay, so here's like, this is cool. Like it kind of opens up when you really, you know, um, scrape at it. So one, one thing we have to consider is maybe there's some contextual factors we want to account for and why our kids are not talking to us. And we, we should come back to that one about blabbing, and we will. The other is, do they have to talk to us? And, and so one possibility that I think then presents itself in terms of thinking about this mom's email is that she might say to her daughter or might come to peace with the idea of saying to her daughter, look, I get it that we're not the ones you can share with right now. So long as you're sharing with someone who you trust and who can help you process, I'm good with that. Mm. Like that would be something you could say. Mm. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back on the Ask Lisa podcast. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. We spend a lot of time teaching our kids please and thank you. But one thing I've realized I haven't spent a lot of time teaching my children is how to be financially responsible. We started using the Greenlight app and it's made a difference in helping them have that conversation about money and to really understand how it can affect their lives. Greenlight's a debit card and a money app that's made for families. I can send money to my kids, keep an eye on their spending and their savings. I didn't think I would need this app, but my kids are absolutely loving it and they're getting the concept of what it means to save. I love the lessons they're learning. I love the games they're playing. I love that they are being educated at a younger age that you need to learn how to save. Sign up for the Greenlight app today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash asklisa. That's greenlight.com slash asklisa to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash asklisa. I'm all for healthy habits, but I don't trust quick fixes. This is why I love Daily Harvest. They take all of the work out of eating well, and all I have to do is enjoy. Daily Harvest makes it so easy for me to eat in the nutritious and delicious ways that I like. They take the planning, the prep, the cleanup out of cooking, and they deliver meals that are packed with vegetables and fruits straight to my door. The other thing I love about them is that it's not the same old boring meals. I love their dragon fruit and lime smoothie. I also love their butternut squash and rosemary soup. They also have this wonderful herb squash and asparagus risotto. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com slash asklisa to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com slash asklisa for $30 off your first box and free shipping. dailyharvest.com slash ask Lisa. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets look just like a dryer sheet, but instead of being a dryer sheet, they're in fact an ultra-concentrated liquidless laundry detergent. It's really the best of all worlds. Earth Breeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and to your skin. Personally, I get a huge kick out of using Earth Breeze. I love the fact that it takes up less space, is better for the environment, And yet it leaves my clothes smelling so good and it gets them so clean. Here's the bottom line. Making a positive impact in the world doesn't have to come at a cost to you. My clothes are clean, they smell great, and I feel like I actually did something good, not just for my laundry, but also for the earth. Right now, my listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. That's earthbreeze.com slash asklisa 
to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. Welcome back to the Ask Lisa podcast. So Lisa, I want to go back to what you said about because you're blabbing and they're worried yeah. that you're going to talk to the other moms because, you know, parents do that often, you know, we, we in the sense of we don't mean it maliciously, but we're trying to figure out this age and, you know, other people experiencing the same things. So if you feel like you've blown it with your child and your child knows that you maybe shared something with a parent, how do you get that back? Like, how do you get them to trust you again? So this is really important. And, and and you're right. Like parents very rarely blow this even realizing they're doing it. You know, because part of what happens is our kid tells us something that feels like completely like, oh, man, I remember that happening. And we get on the horn about it. And we don't realize that that felt like a state secret to our child. Oh. You know, because it feels so small. It feels so generic. Like we could give you, you know, 100 yeah. versions of that same story. But to your kid... It may be very closely held. And then, you know, even if it's like the, we call and check in with a teacher, you know, my son said he got teary in class today, right? And yeah. then the teacher the next day goes, oh, I heard from your mom. The kid's like, oh, right? And, mm. and, and it, so we have to always bear that in mind, that sometimes the thing where we blew it, we don't even realize that it feels that way to our kid because it seems so small to us and it's so huge to them. So first and foremost, parents should be open to that possibility. Then I think you actually just say, you say, look, you know, I realize looking back that there may have been times when I spoke freely about something you shared with me, and I wish I hadn't, and just own it. And then I actually think, and this is something I think parents should do either way, whether they're apologizing for past transgressions or whether they're trying to lay the groundwork. Mm. I actually think you should talk really openly with your kid about what you will and won't share and I think you should say, and Rena, you could say this to your kids at their ages right now. I actually think that your kids, because they're eight and nine, right? Yeah, that's right. Perfect ages for this. And you can say, look, home is a vault. You can come home and dump it all. It will go nowhere unless you want me to reach out and we'll work together on that or someone's safety is really in danger. Beyond that, you know, just assume that I will not repeat it to a soul, you just have this as a safe place to talk. And you can either do that as a you know proactive thing or say, okay, now going forward to repair past <laughs> um, <laughs> errors, I just want you to know those are the only two exceptions. Mm. And then you have to do it. You can't mm. say that and then not stick to it. Mm. Is there, you know, when you look at this letter, the mom says she's asked the daughter to do things with her and the girl says no. Maybe not so uncommon with teens, but if you are in that situation, is there a way to get them to do more with you. Yeah, I think there usually is. And I think there usually is if we do what they want to do. And this is sometimes where parents get stuck, is the parent is like, hey, do you want to like go run errands with me? Or hey, do you want to go see this movie with me? Or whatever. And the kid's like, nah. And if the parent were to say, what would you like to do? And the kid says, I want to go watch Grey's Anatomy on the couch and you say, can I come? The kid might be like, sure. Right, so that might not be what the parent had in mind, but that's doing something together that does fit with the kid's interests, and then that is company. Um, or going and getting your nails done, you know, once the pandemic's over, or, you know, being open 
to what they want to do and agreeing to do it, even if it's not your first choice. Mm. So I'm hearing from you being open, even if you've made a mistake, just owning it and telling them that sometimes that can make a difference, that there are times that they don't even want you necessarily to litigate or help them fix the problem, that just being a presence in their life and doing something can also be a way of healing this. Absolutely. And I think that's the part where I think about this all the time, that when when we know our kid's suffering, I think all parents have a pretty clear sense of how they think that should go from there, which is that I say to my kid, hey, kiddo, what's wrong? You seem upset. And the kid says, oh, I'm so glad you asked. Blah, 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 this and this and this and this. And we say, oh, here's my years of wisdom and advice, and I get to love you and care for you by, you know, guiding you along. I think that's our (laughs) idea of how this is going to go down, (laughs) which if you say it out loud, you're like, okay, that seems highly unlikely. (laughs) And so it was so funny, Reno, when I was talking to these teenagers, there's always a moment where... I learned so much. I mean, they taught me so much in this conversation. And right at the end, this girl raises her hand and she says, here's the thing. By the time I get home, I am 90% of the way over whatever it is that made me upset. Mm. And rehashing the whole thing for my mom is not going to help me feel better. And I thought, oh, man. Okay, so then the, the question is like, but you can still do something as a mom. So you can see that your kid somehow is in that. You don't know it's the last 10%, but they're upset. They don't want to talk. But you can still be comforting, right? And this is, Rena, a little bit why I was like, well, why do you really need to know? Like, you know, mm-hmm. you don't always need mm-hmm. to know. So you can still recognize that they're upset and then just offer like kind of generic comfort. Say like, oh, it looks like it was a hard day. Like, do you want some tea or do you want to go watch some TV with me? Or do you want some space? Or I think there's that way that we underestimate that, oops, okay, here it comes again, steady presence. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that steady presence idea. You, you talk about that so much. Why is that so important? You know, being just being there. You don't have to keep talking over every issue, especially if it's going to throw them over the edge. But is this about building trust? Is that why you say just being a steady presence, just being there, not having to go over things over and over again is so good? I think it is, right? Because there's two, it's a two-way street actually happening in the trust in the moment, which is one is you're saying to the kid, I'm here. Like, I don't actually even need to know. Like, I'm just here. I'll be here no matter what. I'm just here. The other is you're saying to the kid, I trust you that if you really need help, you're going to tell me. Like that if it's, re- you know, or if it's serious, you're going to do something. So I'm also going to trust you and your assessment that this is below the line of what I need to know. Hmm. And maybe on some level, knowing that you trust them helps build up their reservoir of faith in themselves. Bingo. I think that's totally it. I think that is a wordless communication of the idea that healthy people get upset healthy people recover. I am not panicking because you are obviously upset. I am going to trust that you have the resources and the wherewithal to get through this time. I'm here to offer beverages (laughs) if that would help. (laughs) But it is, it's that vote of confidence, really, that, oh, I see you're upset. I trust you're going to get yourself through that. I'm here for, you know, kind of backup if you need it. And so in some ways, not doing the interrogation, not suggesting like this can only be fixed when I fix it, 
is part of actually how we help kids grow. Mm. It's hard letting go, though, sometimes, even as a parent, especially as you know, the years are slipping through. And I love what you said, though, because I keep thinking years are slipping through and I get emotional thinking about my kids going off to college. But you say, it's not the end of the book. It's the end of a chapter. Absolutely. Absolutely. So ultimately, Lisa, when should a parent worry? Yeah, right? I mean, because if we're saying, don't worry, don't worry, you don't need to know, it's okay, just be there, when should a parent worry? You actually said something that I think gets at the heart of it, which is this idea of developmental derailment, right? That you would be worried if you, you know, or that your worry was that one of your children might be getting off track developmentally. And that's actually how we measure grounds for concern in child and adolescent psychology, which is this idea, and the technical terminology we use is if there's an interference with progressive development. And and if we think about it, what we mean is kids' job is to grow, right? They should be moving forward and developing. And they're doing this in a lot of areas at once. You know, they're doing it in terms of their social skills, in terms of their ability to manage themselves, in terms of their intellectual, their cognitive skills, in terms of their ability to manage emotions. And we want to see a general forward progress, like not every day all the time. They can sometimes have rough days. But if you start to feel like your kid is stuck or going backwards, then you can definitely, I think, should probably be asking more questions about, you know, how they're doing. And sometimes a great person to ask those questions of is actually a teacher because they have a Mm. view that we as parents don't always have. And you think they pick up on things that we might just not see, even if it's a, a Zoom classroom call. I think even in a Zoom classroom call. And and the reason I so love and trust teachers in these moments is, you know, let's say you've got a ninth grader. Okay, you've got one ninth grader. They have, you know, a hundred ninth graders. And in their <laughs> career, they've seen probably, you know, a thousand ninth graders at least. Mm-hmm. And so these questions of progressive development are often very well posed to or considered by teachers who can actually measure your child in an age band against, you know, a thousand other examples and then let you know, yeah, no, I see what you mean. Like he is doing a really bad job with getting his stuff in or he is, you know, he is struggling mm-hmm. in these ways. And and we can tend to trust their assessment of whether or not there are real grounds for concern. Mm-hmm just how important these teachers and counselors are, especially in the midst of a pandemic. I feel like they never get enough praise and attention, um, but that's great to say. And I also love how you said there's so much they can handle. You've got to give them a little bit of trust. And sometimes just being a steady presence can help instrumentally then as opposed to just going through and problem solving with them. Yeah. You know, so much of being a parent is gradually handing over to your child responsibility for themselves. You know, we we bathe them when they're little, and then we turn that over to them. We do so much of that, you know, feeding them and then having them make their own lunches. This is another version of that where it used to be that the problems got solved because they told us the problems. And we have to be okay with the idea that that's something that we're going to also hand over to them is the problem solving and the managing their painful feelings. Letting go isn't always easy. Nope. (laughs) But it's what we do. (laughs) But you can still take your kid to graduate school. (laughs) Or college if they'll allow you to, but give them the space. (laughs) Exactly. So why don't we turn to children everywhere, Lisa? What's your charity of the week? So for this week, I want to talk about Kiva, 
which can be found at kiva.org. This is an incredibly cool organization that does microfinance loans um, in 80 countries on five continents. And these loans can be as small as $25. And they are to help people either with small businesses or student fees or um, farming equipment, things like that. And so when you donate to Kiva, what you're actually doing is you're making a small loan, which then gets repaid, and you can decide to whom you loan it. And the reason I'm thinking about them right now is that I use these as stocking stuffers for my girls. Oh, It's so cool. So I give them each a $25 Kiva gift card, and Mm. then we go online, and they choose to whom to lend the money. And the country, they tend to choose women. I mean, it's like the coolest thing ever. Mm. And then it renews. And eventually the loan comes back to you and you can reinvest it. So it's such a neat way. And especially um, around sort of the gift-giving time of year, I love giving this um, to kids to sort of involve them in philanthropy and get them thinking about loans and countries and places and people, you know, very far away and different from them. So it's kiva.org. And I'll put it in the show notes. Terrific. It's, in fact, a way to travel and see other people and how they're doing and living and um, right from your own home and help out. I love it. Yeah. So this week for Parenting to Go, what do you have for us? Let's do a zoom out on what we talked about today, which is you don't always need to know what's made your child upset to be able to offer them comfort. And we should not underestimate the comfort of being quiet available, supportive, but having no agenda beyond just being there in a warm and accessible way. Hmm. No agenda. And sometimes as parents, we all come with agendas because we think that's the best way to deal with things. I think that's right. And and I think so often the adults who surround kids have an agenda. Their teacher has an agenda. <laughs> you know, sometimes their grandparents have an agenda. The agendaless adult is a huge gift to a child or teenager takes a lot of pressure off just hearing you say that. Good. Good. Thanks so much, Lisa. See you next week. See you next week. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop. And send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And now a word from our lawyers. The advice provided on this podcast does not constitute or serve as a substitute for professional psychological treatment, therapy, or other types of professional advice or intervention. If you have concerns about your child's well-being, consult a physician or mental health professional. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.